The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 240. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Position heroes. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Panelsy! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da! She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, A Town Called Mercy. Mercy me. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Cory Stika. Hi, Father Cory. Howdy, Dom. You know, I, I watched this on the 4th of July, and just happened to watch it on the 4th of July, and there's nothing like independence day watching a british tv show's bad take on the u.s old west that was filmed in spain it's just <laughs> such an independence day thing you know so you were saying the colonies were right to revolt well i'll yes. tell you what if we hadn't revolted before this episode came out this would have been a good cause <laughs> that's right that's right i was gonna say some of the best uh well no i was gonna say some of the best west old you know american westerns were filmed in spain Bain, but I think they were all yeah, actually the, ma- the man with no name trilogy. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, I was Spain trying to remember. Was it, yeah. was it uh, uh, Italy? Because they were called spaghetti westerns. Italian well, directors, Spanish filming locations. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so there's probably, nowhere probably in this, Italy. That, yeah. So it's probably the same filming location that this was filmed at then, or very similar. Yeah, it's yeah. called the, uh, the 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 Spanish Old West. That's because that's mm-hmm. where they filmed a lot of those. In, in, they had they had this town is probably an old uh, prop. In fact, yeah. from one of those old movies. And and, and to be fair, I mean, the, the, the land, the lay of the land, the, yogra- the geography looks a lot like places I've seen here in Montana. So, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. it does yeah. look like the Western United States. It's just not. And Arizona yeah. and Colorado yep. and California and <laughs> New Mexico. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of Spain that is looks like the American West and Southwest. Um, so uh, we are talking about this uh, episode, A Town Called Mercy. It features the 11th Doctor, Amy and Rory. And uh, it was uh, written by Toby. We'll get to the recap in a sec, but I just want to throw out there. This was written by Toby Whithouse, mm. uh, the infamous <laughs> Toby Whithouse. Uh, he's written some of my, my least favorite episodes, he's I think. Very, very hit or miss, more miss than hit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is the first episode by him for Doctor Who that doesn't have the theme of what happens after you leave the Doctor. Which is it's got a little bit of that in there, sort of. I guess it's yeah. I mean, they haven't. At one point, Amy says to the doctor, "This is what happens when you travel alone too long." Mm-hmm. Right. There's a little of that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So, Jimmy, why don't you give us a quick recap of what happens in this episode? I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> an alien cyborg bounty hunter is keeping an old west town hostage to get it to release a fellow alien who is a doctor named Kaylor Jax. Jex is a war criminal who performed horrible experiments on members of his own race and created an army of cyborgs to end a war. After the war, one of the cyborgs started hunting down the team that created it, and Jex is the last to be caught and dealt with. 
two years ago, though, Jex came to the Old West town of Mercy and has been helping it by curing cholera and providing it with electric light and heating, earning the gratitude of the town and the marshal who protects it, a man named Isaac who will look very familiar from Farscape and Stargate. Mm -hmm. When the doctor learns Jex is a war criminal, he becomes enraged, drives him out of town, and hands him over to be killed by the gunslinger. This gets uh, Marshal Isaac killed, and he makes the doctor marshal in his place. The gunslinger, who has previously avoided hurting innocent people, now says he will kill the whole town at high noon the next day if Jex isn't turned over to him. The gunslinger then begins an ineffectual assault on the town at high noon and doesn't manage to kill anybody. Since he knows that the gunslinger will eventually hunt him down no matter where he goes, Jex commits suicide by self-destructing his starship to keep others from getting hurt, and the gunslinger very improbably becomes the new marshal of the town. <laughs> right, very yeah. improbably. Yeah. Th uh, this uh, is an episode that violates the, the, the Stephen Moffat dictum of no one shall die, because uh, Isaac, uh, of course, mm -hmm. dies in this one. Um my first well, impression villains get villains get to die under Stephen Moffat. So. Right, right. Yep. Villains die. Yeah. Uh, my first impression of this was of this episode is Harrison Ford's Cowboys and Aliens was a better version. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that one. Seen it wasn't either. great, but it's better than this. Um, yeah, right I heard. I, I heard about Cowboys and Aliens that the title is very descriptive, and that's about all there is to say about the movie. Pretty much, pretty much. What would happen if <laughs> Predator happened in the Old West, essentially? <laughs> so, from the top, there's this voiceover, this opening voiceover, and it's this old trope that they keep going back to of, we're supposed to think that this voiceover is describing the Doctor, but it's really mm -hmm. describing someone else. And I feel like it kind of sets the tone for this episode, where we're just not going to do anything all that interesting with a potentially really interesting premise, which is the doctor in the old West. I thought I well, that would be awesome, but it just doesn't do it much for me. Well, they, they, they immediately went back to that. Well, by, you know, by the doctor shows up and they said, yeah, the, this gunslinger is looking for an alien doctor. And yeah. Leaves it at that. So of course everybody's going and the doctor even says, how did they know? How did he know I was going to be here? Cause you weren't right. the one being hunted. Yeah. Also, they, they have done the Doctor in the Old West before. Now, they've done it in a modern context with the Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon, yeah, uh, which is the, the current West, not the Old West. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the 1960s West. <laughs> but they have actually done the, like, 1880s Old West before because they there's a first Doctor serial called The Gunslingers with Stephen and Dodo as the assistants. And it's it, like this, is played significantly for comedy, only it is significantly way better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to that one. I haven't seen that one yet. So you did mention that uh, Isaac, the, the, the marshal, is played by Ben Browder, who mm -hmm. we fans might know from Farscape or from Stargate SG-1's later seasons. Uh, I always like Ben Browder. This is this has been him after SG One because this was yes. 2012. So he he looks significantly older. I thought it was kind of well. Interesting. They, of course, they made him up to look older too. I mean, with the, I the guess. mustache and everything, and yeah, because you know, because you see contemporary pictures of him, he doesn't even look this old. Yeah, so. I, yeah. I guess they were making him uh, haggard. Um, it, it's interesting to me that 
the doctor essentially gets this guy killed. Like he, mm-hmm. the doctor's responsible for Isaac's death, really, by throwing the alien doctor out to be killed. I mean, this is out of the doctor's character. He's wielding a gun. He's throwing someone to the wolves without a second thought. Even, I mean, it really seems weird well, uh, out of character. They, they hang a lantern on it because Amy then whips out a gun, grabs a gun too, and yeah. and points it at the doctor to, and chews him out and says, this is what happens when you travel alone too long. Mm-hmm. So she's pointing out that it's out of character for him. But it really is, I mean, the way they set it up, I was kind of okay with because it's immediately after the revelation that Kaylor Jex is a war criminal mm-hmm. and he's basically Dr. Mengele yeah. and who's hiding in the old West. And, and, and the, when the doctor learns what he's done, he's enraged and in a moment of passion pushes him outside of the town, which make, which gets him over the boundary line that the alien gunslinger has set for, he won't cross this line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can, I can kind of accept that. What I, what I don't like is the mixing of, they try to immediately turn this into humor mm-hmm. and with the doctor shooting his gun irresponsibly and Amy shooting her gun irresponsibly leading to Ben Browder having the line, everyone <laughs> who isn't an American, drop your gun, yeah, that's which a good line. <laughs> Which itself is a good line, but the situation is it's related to British to the to to how guns are handled in British culture. I can't say British gun culture. Yeah. Right. The ordinary people in, in Britain are not allowed to have guns apart from very special circumstances. Right. And so um as a result of that, there in British media there is a fascination with guns that Americans don't have hmm. because we're much more as a culture. There are, you know, more guns in America than there are Americans. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people own guns. They sometimes own several guns and it's a part of our culture and it's, it's considered normal in a way that it's not in England. Now there are Americans who don't like guns and that's, you know, part of our culture too. But in the main, when you have them around, you're not as fascinated by them. And so you can see shows where uh, people are using guns and it's not anything out of the ordinary. I I tend to observe, because I've had gun training, I tend to observe whether the actors in a show are using good gun safety or not. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll notice, okay, is this actor putting his finger on the trigger when he's not planning to shoot someone? Is he allowing the uh, line of sight of the scope, you know, of, uh, not of the scope, but of the, of the weapon to cross another human being mm-hmm. when he's not planning on using the gun? Is he treating the gun as if it's loaded, if he hasn't personally checked, you know, and I notice all those things. And then you watch plan nine and, oh, wow, this is incredibly bad gun safety. (laughs) Um, But that's kind of the lens that I and and various other Americans Mm -hmm. will look through it through. It's more practical. It's not as romanticized. But because in the current generation, Britons have not been able to have guns, there's this fascination with them and it can affect movies like my favorite example of this is the simon Pegg movie hot fuzz Mm. which is a police comedy 
where you have this super efficient British police officer played by Simon Pegg, who's so good at his job, he's unpopular, and therefore he's sent to a country village where there should be no crime. Mm. Because he's so annoyingly precise about everything, he drives his city colleagues crazy. And then he uncovers a situation in the country that actually is really bad. With It's, a, it's an English murder village. And so we get to the end of the movie, and the way they've set this character up, the ideal thing for him to do would be to deal with the British murder village in a way that doesn't involve killing anybody because of how super good he is at his job. But instead, it turns into blazing gun battle. Mm. And a friend of mine from Australia pointed out, yeah, see, but that's what the British audience wants because guns are these forbidden exotic things. Mm -hmm. And so they're getting something out of this that you're not. And that's what's going on with Amy and the doctor having this ridiculous comedic gunplay of this is is exotic and interesting and exciting for people who aren't around guns. But if you're an American, it's like, everyone who's not American, please delete this scene. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, just Amy pointing the gun at the doctor. If you know anything about guns, like you're you're not – that's not funny. That's horrific. (laughs) That is incredibly irresponsible. And again, with the trigger discipline, that was non-existent. Right. You know, I when, mean, it's like, yeah, she's pointing a loaded gun, very likely loaded gun. Well, definitely loaded trigger. gun. Yeah. Because yeah. it well, fires it. accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it, 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 Jimmy's absolutely right. You know, for, again, for those of us who have been trained in guns, we watch these scenes and just cringe. And yeah. then people wonder why, you know, why guns are seen as such absolutely evil, you know, must be destroyed at all costs things. Well, you look at scenes like this and, you know, they're, you know, they could just go off at any time. No, right. they actually don't. They absolutely right. don't. You know, in the scene where you're, ac- you know, accidentally shooting the gun, well, that's absolute incompetence on your part. That's, yeah. you know, the gun is not going to just, oh, I'm going to swing it down and it's just going to suddenly go well, off. No. A, a Colt 45 from the late 19th century does not j- go off on a hair trigger. You have to intentionally cock it and then pull it. Yeah. And, you know, of course, yeah, there's details <laughs> yeah. like that, too, where it's just like, no, you, you really don't understand how these weapons work. Yeah. You, maybe yeah. you shouldn't be writing about them. so i want to talk about jex and and the concept behind the the episode because jex the the, basically the 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 theme is what would you do if you had dr mengele the nazi evil nazi doctor who went off to you know say brazil and became a mother Teresa type to the to the place where he went and apparently repented Uh, well let's say apparently okay although jex didn't really repent. He didn't really say that he he wouldn't have done it again. He 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 in fact tries to justify what his actions, but he tries to. He does uh, recognize he's wronged a lot of people and is going to yes, have to pay yep. for that in the afterlife. That's right. That's right. Uh, but he tries to make up for what he's done, pay a penance by doing good now. And so then the question is: Is would a Nazi like Mengele be deserving of mercy balanced against the justice of? punishment which for for you know the nuremberg trials and in the trials of the nazis for example where it was a execution was a death penalty capital punishment right um so does you know it's the balance between mercy and justice which i love as an idea i love this idea of Mm -hmm. exploring the balance Mm -hmm. between mercy and justice and and that's one of the things which is one of the better aspects of this is there's a bit of a meditation in it on the doctor's own ambiguous relationship between justice and mercy, which mm-hmm. occurs across the series. 
Right. And ideally, when you are talking about justice and mercy, that the justice would take the mercy in account and vice versa. Yes. But it, it's, it's a hard, hard balance, you know, because you could argue if he was truly contrite that he would willingly go back to his planet and face the repercussions. But he's right. not willing to do that. He wants to stay hiding. You know, the same well, thing with the Mangala, that, that if he was truly contrite for what he did, he would face the justice, which would likely have been death penalty. Right. Yeah. And, and the gunslinger represents justice without mercy. And the mm-hmm. town is literally mercy without justice, without because he's not going to suffer any punishment for his past crimes. Although the, the townspeople are mixed on this. Some of them want yeah. to just hand him over to the gunslinger and others don't. Also, I wanted to mention something. You had said the doctor gets him killed. I think the doctor accelerates the timetable for the resolution here, but I don't know that I'd say the doctor gets him killed because when, as part of holding the town hostage, the gunslinger is starving it to death. And eventually everyone in the town is going, I mean, if nothing changes, everything in the, everyone in the town is going to die of starvation, including Jack's. Right. And um, and so the doctor accelerates things, but Jex was going to die anyway. Uh, I meant Isaac. He gets Isaac killed. Oh, he, he totally gets yeah. Isaac killed. Yeah. yeah. And that and that, and that gets left on, you know, like the doctor doesn't take responsibility at any point for, you know, his uh, impulsive throwing Jex over the line and Isaac throwing himself in front of Jex to take his to take the, the shot for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he sort of he sort of takes responsibility in that he accepts from I, this is the turning point where the doctor yeah. switches from Jex it just is a war criminal that needs to be killed to okay we're going to protect him and he accepts the mantle of be, improbably of becoming right. the marshal to protect the town now that Isaac is dead which Isaac right. tells him to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about the do- you know the 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 concept of mercy and justice as a reflection on the doctor's iffy relationship with those concepts <laughs> throughout the series. Mm. And he has a line where he says, "Today, I honor the victims first. This is when he's throwing Jex to the gunslinger. His, the masters, the Daleks, all the people who died because of my mercy. What is the doctor talking about? What is his mercy that Ended up with victims of the master and the Daleks and and all of that. He, he could have killed. He could have killed the Daleks at the beginning of their uh, existence, and right. he could have mm-hmm. killed the master multiple times. And he let them live, and they went on to terrorize and victimize other people. Okay, and I, I wonder too how much of this ties into, of course, you know, the War Doctor and all that, because we're coming up to that the the fiftieth anniversary special at this point. Right. And, you know, and there's always been that behind the scenes where the doctor, you know, recognizes his own role in what could be considered, you know, mass, what he thought was mass extermination. Of course, they walked all that back. Right. Um, the, and the, it's interesting that the doctor himself kind of go, swings the other direction with, you know, from this, I shouldn't have been merciful to the Daleks and the master. I should have killed them when I had the chance to another line where he says, to Walter, the young man who wants to lynch Jax and throw him to the gunslinger, mm-hmm. violence doesn't end violence. It extends it, and I don't think you want to do this. I don't think you want to become that man because I'm that man. Yeah. You know, so this is this is uh, there. To my mind, there are two key flaws with this episode. In rewatching it, I thought you know this justice and mercy stuff actually it, it has its moments. 
Now, there's mm-hmm. a lot that's implausible about this. Uh, Mercy is the weirdest 1870 town ever <laughs> Yeah, on a whole bunch of fronts. But oh, yeah. the Justice and Mercy stuff and the scenery and there are moments where the mood is decent. And this could have been a good episode except mm-hmm. for two things that it does. One is the painful overacting for comedic effect mm-hmm. that is in this, like by the doctor and Amy. And this, uh, 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 maybe I should say three things. The second is the excessive use of Western tropes. It's mm-hmm. clear that Toby Whithouse had a checklist and he's just ticking off the boxes of how do we work this Western trope into it? Gunslinger, check. High noon, check. Doctor becomes the marshal of the town. Check. It's just every single possible cliche that he could shove into this, he did. And that makes it less art and more of a of a checkbox thing. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, we end up with all this speechifying about, we, which is so cliche on Doctor Who, of, We've got to be better than the bad guy, and violence is not the answer, and this is what happens when you travel too long. It's like, okay, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, washed <laughs> yep. it enough times that it's now worn out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. The, yeah, I was thinking of the tropes, and— It's slavish to them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the one—there's the one, the, 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 also this attempt to kind of undermine certain things, certain tropes, like the— uh, the guy with the the horse and the doctor, mm-hmm. like the the guy gets on the horse and the doctor does his old I speak horse because like because he speaks baby too. Oh, yeah, and yeah. and Whithouse takes a swipe at traditional Christian morality by saying the horse isn't Joshua. He wants to be called Susan and he wants you to respect his life choices. And it's like, really, do do we have to like throw that in here just because we're you know it's the old west and so we're going after traditional American value things or something? It was just it felt out of place. And just unnecessary. Um, well, it's modern politically correct uh, culture. Yeah. And it's not the only element of that. Um, you know, despite the fact this is 1870, the the preacher of the whole town, apparently, yeah. is an African-American. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's very unlikely. And I understand we want to have, you know, positive portrayals of African Americans. That's fine. But if I were African American, I could say, you know, this isn't really respecting the history of my people. Right. This yeah. is this is it is it, it is it's whitewashing. Very, it, it, <laughs> well, it's very improbable that mm-hmm. I mean that whitewashing has a different has a technical oh, meaning in in yeah, sorry. in yeah. Hollywood, but it's very improbable that someone would be able to who 5 years ago Unless he was already a free black, he um, he. Where did he get the education to be a preacher and command the respect of an entire town? Even in eighteen seventy, this is just five years after the close right. of the Civil War, and it's not impossible that this could happen. But only if this town is like some kind of weird religious commune by the standards of the day <laughs> right yeah. and and so i if if i were an african-american i could look at that and say you know this is this is a this is a distortion mm-hmm. of of what of the actual history of my people i don't like this yeah they even talk about how many of the people there many of the men there had fought in the civil war that they were ones remembered because there's walter who is you know 19 years old 18 years old 
and he was in the doctor says you never took a man's life you never fought in oh war. yeah just, okay yeah he says you were too young to fight in the war no <laughs> if he's 19 <laughs> no, he's, in 1870 he was not too young right. to fight in the war there were 14 year olds who fought yeah right also, the who you know the people who went out west after the war were not the Yankees; it was the Confederates. Nope. So, uh, because things were so bad in the South that they went west, mm-hmm. and and so this town it should it should not have the kind of ideological mix that it does. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So, at one point, Jex says he's not just a mad scientist, he's also a doctor who healed the people. The doctor sees his attempt to do good as an attempt to evade justice and punishment. And Jack says back to him, you know, we all carry our prisons with us. Mine is my past. Yours is your morality. Why is the doctor's morality a prison? I didn't get that. Because he has to obey rules, some of which are actually ridiculous, um, <laughs> like never use weapons. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's bound by his morality, I guess. Well, and I, I got the feeling too that was kind of Jack's poking at the doctor too. Yeah, you know where he was just kind of you think you're better than me type of type of position. And again, this is going back to the doctor's own remorse about everything that happened in the time war. Yeah, you know, kind of playing on that. Yeah, Jex was kind of an avatar for the doctor in a sense from a storytelling mm-hmm. point. Yeah, he, they're opposing himself. Yeah. Well, but I parallels. Don't know if they're, yeah, they're more parallel. I think we're supposed to get that they're parallel. That Jex may be objectively worse for certain for the actions he took to you know mm-hmm. mutilate these people. But we're supposed to see that the doctor himself has also made bad choices and uh, is trying to make up for it by doing good by traveling around or a version of that anyway. So yeah, he's like a darker version of the doctor. Yeah. Let's see. And then, as you mentioned, Jex ends up um, sacrificing his own life in order to prevent the gunslinger from killing anyone else. He commits suicide in the spaceship with the Chekhov's suicide button, <laughs> its self-destruct button, because <laughs> we had seen it. Or the doctor accidentally activated it earlier. Yeah. And then, as you say, Jimmy, a couple of improbabilities. One is that the gunslinger stays on forever for centuries to come as the marshal for mercy, and no one ever notices the robot man with the gun for an arm. Uh, wandering yeah. around and records Except it the, for history. The, peop- the people of Mercy itself. The narrator implies it's yeah. like known within the town, but not to outsiders. Mm-hmm. I want to see a 13th Doctor episode where she goes back to Mercy, Nevada in 21st century, and he's the sheriff driving around in a in a in like a cruiser <laughs> <laughs> with a gun hand and everything, you know, sort of a little like the Terminator still. <laughs> is, 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 it in, uh, is, is it in Nevada? Yes, it's, yeah. it's set in Nevada. Mercy okay, Nevada. 200, 200 miles north of the Mexican border. Yeah, I remember them saying it was 200 miles north of the border, but I, 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 I hadn't looked at a map to confirm is that, would that fit uh, Nevada or not? Yeah. I, I think it would. I mean, I, I can't tell you exactly where it is. It would be obviously somewhere north of Las Vegas, but that's not saying much. All of Nevada is basically north of Las <laughs> yeah. Vegas. Yeah. I mean, in 1870, where was the Mexican border and that sort of thing might have been fluid. But yeah, I, I'm not expecting Toby Whithouse to have done the research and get it right <laughs> in that case. Uh, the other thing is uh, that that final action sequence where they're trying. The, basically, the solution is to trick the gunslinger long enough for Jex to get away by having townspeople get the mark that they have like the that jex's uh species 
they have yeah, well, this they, mark his, on their his, face. His, his species, the the gunslinger and the guy we see him, the gunslinger kill in the opening sequence, yeah. and Jax all have these facial markings, right? Mm-hmm. And they otherwise look human. But and I interpreted the facial marking as a cultural thing. It's like a sort of like a tattoo, and different huh. p- different people have different ones. Because yeah. the gunslinger is using through his eyepiece, he's using Jax's facial marking to identify him. So they're obviously personal to individuals because he has right. a different – the gunslinger is the same species, but he has a different facial marking. Right. And and at one point during this during the sequence, uh, the townspeople start drawing facial markings on themselves so that the gunslinger has a hard time identifying who Jax is. Right. Yeah. I mean the fact is <laughs> – if they're putting Jex's facial mark on their on their face, they're they're potentially you know getting themselves killed. This is a mm-hmm. like the, the the gunslinger could be shooting at them because they look like valid targets. Uh, it just seemed like a and a this weird is thing. part of yeah. This is yeah. part of why this is an ineffectual thing. The gunslinger, this is bad writing in yeah. the gunslinger's mm-hmm. final assault on the town because he said at noon I'm going to come in and kill you all. Right. And so if that's his stated intent, now he backs down on that. And I guess you could say, well, he maybe he said that in a moment of bravado or something like that. And he's not his heart really isn't in killing the innocents like the innocent little girl that right. he looks at. But the townspeople should assume painting facial markings on yourself is not going to have any right. effect that he's just going to come in and kill us all. Right. Because that's right. what he said he was going to do. Yeah. And it, I mean, they show from his view where he identifies the mark, and then then he recognizes that the person isn't isn't checks, checks, yeah. You know, yeah. It. But it's still it's just which I mean, at that point, why even if you can identify that this person isn't checks by facial features, why even bother looking for the mark in the first place? Well, apparently, it's I mean, it is it is Jex's most notable difference mm-hmm. from any any town member previously. And so you could set your targeting system to look for the most noticeable difference. And, you know, prioritize that in its recognition right. protocols. But right. then that stops working and he's, he turns off the automatic targeting and switches yeah. over to manual because it's no longer working because the right. people have set up camouflage for Jacks. Incidentally, when we're looking through uh, the cyborg scope, uh, which is part of his head because, you know, cyborg, mm-hmm. he looks at the doctor and we get an image of the doctor's hearts. Yep, hmm. we get a little a pull away cutout image of the doctor's two hearts, and they are not on a they are not separated and on a parallel line. It's like an agglomeration of two hearts with one slightly above the other. Hmm. Mm, interesting. Which is different from when we saw Peter Davison era where they were on either side. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I guess all those regenerations have mixed things up in the in the middle, <laughs> like a like a a, ca- a caterpillar in a yeah. in a chrysalis. Got new kidneys. Don't like the color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's all I have for this. Uh, Father Corey, do you have any other notes on this episode? N- nothing else here. All I can say is I'm glad the Old West really wasn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jimmy? So uh, my only other note is at the end of the episode, after Amy tells the doctor, this is what happens when you travel for too long. What does she do? She says, maybe we don't want to travel with you for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. because our friends are going to start noticing that we're aging faster than they are. And I don't find that particularly believable. I mean, maybe a model is going to be vain enough to care about that. 
Yeah. I would care more about seeing the universe. Mm-hmm. But if you care about your friend and you've just noticed he's been on an edge because he's he has not had companionship, maybe you want to give him a little more companionship for now. <laughs> right, right. Although in the next episode, they they have him stay with them for a while and that's the their their sort of solution to that, I guess, but yeah, mm-hmm. the doctor is a house guest. Um, all right. I think that should do it for now for, for this episode. Um, we do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Greg C, Nicholas C, Wesley B, Andrew K, and Janelin M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So uh, I do want to recommend for you before we go a another podcast from the StarQuest Network, uh, one having to do with American history. This one called American Catholic History. In a short, uh, about 20 minutes every week, you're going to get a, a story about some American Catholic or something having to do with American Catholic history. And uh, they're, not, they're not always saints. Sometimes they're just regular folk who do interesting things or are interesting people and happen to be Catholic. Check it out, American Catholic History, wherever you get your podcast from or at sqpn.com slash history. All right, so that's it from us. What did you think of A Town Called Mercy? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the seventh Doctor story, Battlefield. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Tom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, we call this town Mercy for a reason. Right. This is going to be fun.